0: Welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on current events, trends, market reports, and community discussions. Join us each week from Tampa, Florida, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Patrick Kelly. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Patrick Kelly. As always, I am honored to be here, coming to you live from Tampa, Florida. Today is October 25th, 2021, and this kicks off Halloween week that's right everyone we are going trick-or-treating this weekend and listen even if you don't love candy or you don't love this holiday it doesn't matter you got to celebrate anyways a couple announcements before we get started we have two months left everybody Till 2021 is over I said it from the beginning of the year that this year will go by fast and it has that means we only have eight spots left with dynamic people from dynamic companies Now today, you might be wondering, who is the guest today? Guess what? There is no guest. We are going to be talking about my buddy in crimes, Hans Finzel's Top 10 Mistakes Leaders Make. And then we're also going to check into some of history's worst decisions and the people who made them. One thing we always know that is constant is change, everyone. That means we are going to look at some of these leadership mistakes and some of these worst decisions to see how to conquer success and keep pushing forward. I want to give a very special shout out to all of our sponsors, Ag Tools, Flavor Fresh, Noble Citrus, Buck Naked Onions, Owyhee Produce, Equifruit, Arctic Apples, Indianapolis Fruit Company, and John Green Logistics. Everyone, as I always talk about, dynamite people with dynamite content in the produce and supply chain industry and guess what everyone it wouldn't be the same without all of those dynamite sponsors and with that being said it's time to start with the top 10 mistakes leaders make Oh, everyone, this is a good one for me. Now, I will tell you the top 10 mistakes leaders make. Uh, this book was published and uh, written by Hans Finzel. And it's crazy because I have read this book numerous times. Heck, I even went through each chapter of this book in one of my performance plans and really talked about how I could not be some of these things that are called out in here. Um, it's very, very important that when you hear something some of these, uh, I would say, uh, (laughs) um, jabs in the stomach or across the jaw, don't take them too personally, okay? Because I know when I first read this book, I was like, that is not me. How dare them I was offended, everybody. I was like, "How dare Hans talk to me and, and say that I have a top down attitude, or you know, I'm pushing people out of the way and doing paperwork over people work, and you know, it just funny things like that." Just always make me laugh because you know, if you were to go back and probably meet me, and between the you know the years of 2000. Nine and 2010, I was probably a completely different person. Um, heck, some people in the industry today probably still think I'm that same person, right? But as I always talk about change and, and the constants of change, uh, I've changed over the years and a lot of it had to do, uh, really with, uh, self-education, emotional intelligence, and a lot of discipline in how to become a better leader. And I sought for that, right? I sought out for it. Um, Everyone. I got my masters in executive leadership and in international business, so I was able to study a lot and really get a sense of you know what I was doing wrong. Even learned from my dad, taught me what not to do and what to do. You know, filtered all the bad and took the good. So as we talk about this uh, leaderships and the top ten mistakes that leaders make, we are going to really start with the best one of all, and that is the top-down attitude, everyone. We've all seen it. Heck, we see it in all types of workplaces. You think of the hierarchy chart, right? Who's at the top of the chart? The owner, the founder, the president, the head honcho, the number one. But guess what, everyone? Uh, that That's the number one leadership hang-up, right? Uh, think about the top-down attitude, comes naturally to most people they think you know to rise to the top you're gonna be the main guy the main gal You know, servant leadership is much more rare though. And we'll talk a little bit about servant leadership uh, as we move on. Now, effective leaders see themselves at the bottom of an inverted pyramid, right? You are the one holding the team together. And that's what you should be. You should be the servant leader showing your people that you're willing to do anything and everything for the organization and even for them. You know, as a kid growing up, it took me a long time To understand that, but we think that it's got to be the way. If we rise to the top, we're gonna be the number ones, the head honchos, right? And and sometimes it doesn't work that way. Now, Hans says it best in his book. He says that he believes that the number one leadership sin is the top-down autocratic leadership. Okay, you think people would have learned by now uh, that that doesn't work? But guess what? They still believe it to this day. Now, let's read a quote by John Maxwell. He that thinketh, he leadeth, and hath no one following him, only is taketh a walk. Very true. Think about it, everyone. I mean, seriously, everyone takes a walk every day. Uh, It's the difference that people are following you or not. And are these people right? Are they real people? Or do you look at them as like a military model that, no, the top-down approach, you lead and you bark orders at these people. I'm in charge here. And the sooner you figure that out, the better. Do you understand me? Take examples. Do what I say, not what I do. Well, everyone, as you can tell in today's society, these types of things will not Work And, you know, where do top-down actually show up? Um, I mean, it shows up in an abuse of authority, um, lack of listening, a dictatorship in decision-making, lack of letting go. Heck, we've all heard this in business, right? We've all seen it in business. So if we can look at it, let's take the aspect of becoming a servant leader versus a top-down leader, everyone. You can learn a lot from the servant leadership model. Servant leadership embraces all the new models and is built upon principles that were laid only by perhaps uh, one of the greatest leaders of all time. Um, a classic source of leadership is servant leadership everyone i'm telling you and for all you leaders on the go remember that the number one leadership hang up is the top down attitude so the top down attitude comes naturally to most people and it is a human nature's default position servant leadership is much more rare this is the person who puts the organization's well-being ahead of its own so think about again leadership, and how you react. So number two, we are going to move into putting paperwork before people work, everyone. And this is the big one because we always believe that we've got to get the paperwork done. We've got to get these things done to be able to deal with the people, right? Well, The greater the leadership role, the less time there seems to be for people. I've noticed that in my career as well. The greater the leadership role, the more important paperwork is. You got to cross those T's and dot those I's and make sure quarterly reporting and financials are up to par. Well, people are opportunities though not interruptions. If you've talked to me, I talk about opportunity all the time and I talk about my kids bothering me at work. And I tell them, I said, I don't look at my kids bothering me as an interruption anymore. I look at them as bothering me for an opportunity. Hey dad, I got this idea. Hey dad, can we do this? Now the normal person or parent might say, I'm on the phone. I'm working, right? Because they're so busy and caught up with that paperwork or sending emails or reviewing PowerPoints or Excel documents. Come on, everyone. You know I'm talking about your day-to-day work and ideas. So think about it. Only through association is there transformation. So we need to embrace sometimes these opportunities of putting people work before paperwork. But... We will only impact people spiritually and permanently by one-on-one contact. And that can't be substituted, everyone. I mean, that's speaking of some of the the shows that have been canceled. Um, We were supposed to be at a show this week uh, in Louisiana. And guess what? We were looking forward to having that emotional connection with people, seeing our produce and supply chain people. So it can't be substituted. Sometimes us as humans, we are physically attracted to people. Even during COVID, people would say, don't shake hands, don't do this. I still saw people hugging and shaking hands and and being around their community. So think about it. People, opportunities or interruptions. Start to think when people come to your place of work or they cold call you or they just stop by the office for a quick minute. Opportunities, everyone. So interruptions are our work, okay? They are. Think about it. You have to put that in your way of thinking from here on out. And remember, there's always going to be tension of paperwork being, um, it's got to be done on time, right? It's got to be submitted by Friday, Monday, Wednesday. It's always that time. But is a person's emotions on time? Sometimes you have to have empathy and sympathy and put yourself in their shoes to understand what is going on. Remember, everyone, people work. Whatever happened to the people get involved with your people. Influence your people. Transform your people. People change through direct contact. So make sure you are connecting with your people. Influence them, even in the various smallest ways by saying thank you and it's my pleasure. It'll go a long way. And make room, I tell you, for all the people. And ready, if you're a leader on the go, putting paperwork before people work is bad. Confession of a type A personality. Now, the greater the leadership role, the less time there is or it seems to have for people. So if you're a leader, make sure you create that time Computers have not reduced paperwork. In fact, they've increased it. So get away from that computer sometimes if you're a distracted, busy leader and get out and see your people. Again, the greater the leadership role, the more important people work is. Successful leaders know how to work with people and it is those people's skills that keep them effective. I'm telling you, everybody. And guess what? Now it's time. We're going to now listen to history's worst decisions. And it's crazy. I got this book for Christmas years ago. Years ago, everyone. And I remember thinking about it going, why the heck would someone get me this book about worst decisions that history has made? And guess what? It really started to get me thinking of why they made these decisions they're not the best decisions but we were able to learn from these decisions so i'm going to just go ahead and i guess uh flip the book and see what i can find um so and hopefully i don't uh, you know pronounce anything too bad but all right here we go Uh, page 163 the british nuclear legacy the black mist of Maralinga 1952 to 1963, everybody. So, obviously, this is going to go on between 1952 and 1963. The British government, with the had an agreement and support of Australia, carried out nuclear tests at three sites in Australia, the Montebello Islands off the coast of Western Australia and two sites in South Australia. Now, by 1956, the Maralinga was the permanent site for all nuclear testing. Two major trials, Operation Buffalo in 1956 and Operation Antler in 1957. And a number of smaller operations were carried out over the facility until 1963. Now, It looks here, everyone, they went nuclear because guess what? Years later, it was a job unfinished. So these compounds where they have these nuclear facilities were having cleanup and properly, grossly inadequate islands of just trash, everyone. And then they would dig 10 foot holes and throw all of this nuclear contaminated products just right in a hole plutonium contaminated materials that that were covering with soil. I mean, it was not the greatest idea or well thought out planned. Now there was a lot of things that happened between the 1952 and 1963 era of this bad decision, but it was a horrible idea and it goes down in one of history's worst decisions. Why would we create a nuclear test site? How would we do it? Did they think then what was going to be the sustainability long-term? What would they do after they were done with testing nuclear bombs, right? I mean, these were all things that maybe they didn't think about. Why? Maybe they didn't know what that effect would be. You know what I mean? They knew what it would cause. It would cause a bomb to go off. But did they know that 15 or 20 years later that it would still affect climate and soil and people to this day? Uh, So think about that when you're making decisions, everyone. All right, next, we're going to talk about number three, which is the absence of affirmation. And what could be better than a pay raise? Right, everyone? What about that bonus? What about some extra time off? How about that? Hey, everyone, take the week off on pay from the company. (sighs) Right? Have you done that? Have you gotten that? Come on in the office. We got something special for you. And all of a sudden you get a, a Visa gift card or a kudos. Oh I yeah, mean, I can't believe people still use the word kudos. I mean, I might have too, but I remember hearing that when I was like 17 years old at Walgreens. They were like, we're gonna give a kudos to Patrick Kelly for, you know, selling his PMs and, so, you know, little upticks on prices for things you see in the store. But it was just funny. But all right, the absence of affirmation. Everyone, though, thrives on affirmation and praise. I'm telling you, good job. That's why when you go to Chick-fil-A, you ever notice when they say it's my pleasure, you're like, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I feel you. My pleasure. I'll say it back to you a couple times. It's my pleasure being here, Chick-fil-A. They always get you. And uh, that's that absence of affirmation that we get on a daily basis. Everybody wants to say the, hey, you're doing a great job, but, hey, we're doing very well in sales, but, It's always that but we can do more, but we can do this. Hey, what if we do this? And we're not saying that's a bad thing, Um, but, ready? We wildly underestimate the power of the tiniest personal touches of kindness. Hey, man, you're doing a great job. Hey, I appreciate the work that you're doing. Stop throwing those buts in there. Give the person what they deserve. Give them the affirmation without giving them a, hey, man, great job. Hey, girl, you're doing awesome. But if you could do this. Remember, organizational researchers have been telling us for years that affirmation motivates people much more than financial incentives. I mean, I can tell you in my book, I'm way more incentivized by affirmation sometimes than cash. I mean, seriously, I'd rather have someone be excited to be with me and to do things with me than to say, hey, I'll pay you to come with me. Eh, I don't I don't want to be someone's entourage. I'll just be hanging out with the boss all the time. I want to know that I'm hanging out with the boss and, and he appreciates me or she appreciates uh, what I'm doing. So remember to compliment your people, everyone. Remember to give them different strokes. Everyone is going to have a little bit of a different type of affirmation, right? And there's a lot of different ones too. They can be There's ups, there's downs. I mean, you got to figure out what your people like and the culture of your people as well. And that's really hard. So there is an affirmation continuum. There's the desperados and the autopilots. Let's, let's read from some of the desperados out there. Little confidence, lap up of affirmation. The more the better and they're very fragile, Now, let's talk about the autopilot uh, characters. They're self-reliant, skeptical of affirmation, leave me alone, and they're tough as nails. So there is a few different types of people that you have to communicate with within your organization, okay? Remember, appreciate that extra effort because just like you, if you're the top-down leader or, as I said, the bottom of the pyramid in the beginning... You need to really listen to your people and let them know how great of a job they're doing and what they're doing. Now, the absence of affirmation, what could be better than a pay raise, right? Poor leaders demand a great deal from people and never give them a pat on the back for a job well done. Money is not a pat on the back. Money is not a handshake and an eye-to-eye contact saying, this is great what you're doing for us. I appreciate what you're doing for us and I appreciate you here at the organization. Everyone thrives on affirmation and praise. Since the time we were children, we have all loved to get praise for a job well done. Our need for affirmation does not diminish as we grow older. Sometimes we need a little more. So we wildly underestimate the power of the tiniest personal touch of kindness. So leaders out there, Please give your people a touch of kindness, a little extra effort, and remember to appreciate everyone. So number four, one of my favorites, no room for Mavericks. There's no room for them. Well, they bring us the future. It was funny, I used to work for a gentleman that he called me a Maverick one time. He told me, he's like, you're just a Maverick, man. And and to get with the organization, this is what you need to do. And I always thought to myself, Mavericks can save us from the slide towards institutionalism. And then he was like, yeah, but we are an institution. Oh, crap. All right. So then I had to change the way I thought a little bit, right? Large organizations usually kill off Mavericks before they can take that route because they have that company culture that they don't want to really go outside of the box with. Mavericks makes messes by their very nature. They're good at making messes in institutions as well. But you need to learn to recognize the true usefulness of a maverick. Everyone, um, those are those entrepreneurs, right? Those crazy guys with ideas. They're trying to pick, uh, put the 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 round peg in the square hole. You know, all, you know, it's just one of those things where it's just like they're always looking for what to do next, how to make it better, what to do, and you know, they look at that lifestyle of the organization and where they can come in and bring life to it again. Heck, we've seen that in generations as well, everyone. You start it on childhood. You become this, oh, I want to do this. I can do this. You start mowing lawns. You start reaching out and trying to figure out how to do more, how to get money. And then you reach adolescence and adulthood and then middle age and all of a sudden, those graying years come and you're like boom, you're rejuvenated again and you're ready to go. You are born again. So there's different lifestyles to be a maverick as well. You can put it or bring it up in any stage, whether it's in the birth, infancy, childhood, adolescence, adulthood, middle age, the graying years, even old age, you know, birth, life, aging, and death. The natural order of creation, everybody. Think about it. That is the natural order of creation, and it's okay. So remember, the 10 commandments of an organization's paralysis. How to put mavericks in their place, everyone. Well, let me tell you, okay? This is how. Number one, that's impossible. Number two, we don't do it that way. Number three, we tried something like that before and it didn't work. Number four, I wish it were that easy. Number five, it's against policy to do it that way. Number six, when you have been around a little longer, you'll understand. Number seven, who gave you permission to do that? Who gave you those permissions to change those rules? Number eight, how dare you suggest that we are doing this wrong? Number nine, if you had been in this field as long as I have, you would understand that you are suggesting absolutely absurdity here, sir. Number 10, That's too radical of a change for us. So again, if you're an organization you're trying to put a maverick in its place or trying to get them not to innovate for you, that's what you would say. But remember, there are ways to use mavericks. Even though we feel that there's no room for mavericks, they bring us all into the future and keep us all constantly changing, everyone. So for those leaders on the go, They bring us into the future. Mavericks can save us from the slide towards institutionalism. Over time, our main-made organizations grow old, rigid, and tired. And just like humans do, the pioneering spirit of Mavericks can stop the slide and turn it around. Large organizations usually kill off Mavericks before they can take root. The larger and older an organization gets, the more it tends to reject creative types. We have to learn to embrace Cultivated pioneers among us and accept these mavericks. Because guess what? These mavericks make messes by their very nature. Institutions become too organized for their own good and thus have a hard time accepting disrupting and change. Accepting disruption and change, we just talked about that. Is it an opportunity? Or is it an interruption? So number five, everyone, guess what? We are moving towards the dictatorship of decision-making. That's right, getting behind the I know all the answers. That's right, dictators deny the value of individuals. The major players in any organization are like its stockholders. They should have a say in its direction. The one who does the job should decide how it's done. Flat organizations are the model of the future. So everyone, dictatorships have their advantages. Listen, I remember when I first spoke to Hans and he would talk to me about when and and why he wrote this book. And I remember him telling me that he spent a lot of the 1980s working in communist Eastern Europe, uh, observing firsthand countries such as Romania, East Germany, and Russia that were run by dictators. Life was quiet. Uh, pretty predictable back then he said especially when compared to the economic and political chaos that characterizes the same nations today so for decades all was calm and quiet in eastern europe from Yugoslavia all the way to the eastern reaches of the soviet empire bordering the pacific quiet calm and oppressed wow dictatorship feels like that now, di- dictatorships aren't all like that. They they do take the fun out of life and break the human spirit. Uh, and it longs with sores of uh, achievement. You know, and I remember Han tell- Hans telling me that he can't even begin to describe uh, the dejected look of oppression. It's on my face right now. I mean, if you could see it right now, it's a blank stare. And everyone, these are things that you have to realize that we understand you're the boss. You're the founder. You've been doing this for 20-plus years. Heck, for some of you, it could be 40. It could be 30. And we respect that. And I talk about this. I'm 36 years old, everyone. And I was growing up in a very uh, working-class environment. My dad wanted us to work. He, he didn't ever want us to go to college. I mean, a little bit he did, but he was more or less like, you got to work, you got to get experience. And that's how he taught us. I mean, I was mowing lawns when I was a kid. You know, I was parking cars. I was doing anything to make money and, and show that hard work. Um, but as we get older, it's like it, these leaders or these managers or these owners, they, they feel that because they've started it and they've coached or told so many people what to do, that they are the know-all, see-all um, and, I, and I talk about this in another one of my podcasts, which was the Millennial Boom podcast, uh, talking about millennials and boomers thriving together in life and work. And we see the, the owners coming in in golf shorts and sandals, and, and you don't know where they are. You don't, you know, you don't think to yourself, well, well, why are they get to act like that? Why do they get to come in whenever they want, right? Remember, good leaders don't always do that. You got to remember that there are leaders out there that will definitely be there for you. And sometimes you got to always look that if you don't have a dress code that's very rigid to you know business casual and they're coming in in shorts and sandals and a collared shirt, maybe that's what they'd like to wear. Maybe they're going golfing after work. Hey, it's totally okay today. But what we don't want is to tell all of our people, you can't do this, you can do this, and then do something completely off- opposite. The best often comes from the bottom. Think about it like this. At a recent employee briefing, I asked our team of about 60 home office staff this question. Where will the greatest ideas come from in our organization? Who will pioneer the next greatest innovation? From what source will our great ideas stride forward and originate from? Guess what, everyone? That's a trick question. I I I believed it was on them to figure it out, okay? Uh, The greatest idea bubble that came up from one of the workers, they will come from you, sir. You've got this. That's what they said, right? And I remember saying, well, not me. I believe in all of you. So let's get out there and really start coming up with some game-changing ideas. To put your people first over telling them what to do and giving them the ideas to create and innovate will bring forth a way better environment because you're really facilitating leadership within the role of that owner, leader, or manager you're flattening out the organizational chart because you want to show them that we are all equal here. They already know you're the boss. You've got the title. You're the owner of the company. They know who signs the checks. But to flatten that organizational chart will then show the alternative models on how to bring together a team of innovation and creativity, everyone. Forget the fact of these old school organizational charts. Stop making them. Heck, make a different chart. I I love the servant model leadership chart. It's definitely an aspect. It's the upside down triangle. So go ahead and make some decisions based on dignity, everyone. That's right. Create a new model of success. And everyone, what you want to do is get beyond the chaos and come to a point where you have innovation and creativity. Now, remember too, dictators don't lead teams, everyone. They are not leaders, They are task-oriented managers. They have to get the job done. That is the goal of that dictator. Uh, Delegate decisions whenever possible. Listen, dictators do not do that. So do not make that mistake. What you want to do is delegate decisions whenever possible and whenever it deems valuable. If you can get the job done, do it. Don't just pass it off and say, well, that's not for me to do. Facilitate that delegated decision. Move into it and involve others as much as possible. View the truth and wisdom as being distributed throughout an organization as positive. There are developers, everyone. Now, remember, people as their greatest resources for ideas will bring you success. Give the people space to make those decisions. They will those that you let make decisions will be responsible and decide how these jobs will be completed. So again, a quick quick tip for the on-the-go learner, dictatorships in decision-making, getting beyond, I know all the answers. So remember, dictators deny the very value of individuals. The value of dictators' organizations reside at the top not among the rank and files of its members. Dictators use people. They do not empower them. The major players in any organization are like in stakeholders. They should have a say in direction. Whether for a ministry or a business, every employee should have a sense of pride and ownership for the collective vision and passion for the organization. Now let's move on to our next History's Worst Decisions and the people who made them. Okay, everyone. We are going to move on to June of 1812 through June of 1816, everyone. Now, I will tell you, this is Napoleon. The march to Russia and Frankenstein, everyone. That's right. We brought it up. We brought up Frankenstein. But let's talk about this. The the appearance of Napoleon in this book should come at no surprise. His invasion of Russia in 1812 was not a good idea. And there are a number of theories to who and what went wrong and why, ranging from simple megalomania to painful kidney stones to heroic Russian resistance, which to be truthful, rather wisely consisted mostly of uh, retreating faster than Napoleon could even advance. So, um, you know, I would say unquestionably as he pushed further into Russia and into trouble, Napoleon made a number of uncharacteristic errors of judgment that resulted in eventual disaster, but it is not enough simply that he made mistakes. Many historians say, and ready, the histories say, turning, the turning point, um, was not the retreat from Moscow nor the battle of, uh, Borodino, but, an apparent and seemingly inexplicable change of mind in the city of uh, Vidbisk in what is known as Belarus, which seems to have made or have been the cause by uncontrollable anger, and a strange turn of events. Everyone, uh, so so think about it. Sometimes uh, mistakes and sometimes uh, decisions. Uh, lead to a very bad decision? Have you ever had a time in business where sometimes you make a decision and you say to yourself, this might not be the right decision or the wrong decision, but it's the decision that I am making today. And sometimes, like I said, that can affect the very future of your organization and the people that live and actually work inside your organization. Now, everyone, guess what? We've got five more to go. So stay tuned to the Produce Industry Podcast as we talk about the top 10 mistakes leaders make by Hans Finsel. We have five more left that include Dirty Delegation, communication chaos, missing the clues of corporate culture, success without successors, and failure to focus on the future. So we'll catch you in the fields and on the horizon, everyone. You've been listening to the Produce Industry Podcast with Patrick Kelly. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Produce Industry Podcast. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.